Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, um, I just woke up from a nap. You did just wake up. I, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if you was uh, planning on joining on this one or not. Oh, yeah. No, I'm ready for this. Old Squeak's been wearing you out, huh? Oh, oh man. Being a new mom is exhausting. Uh-huh. Like, I even have a caffeine-free, like, vitamin energy drink right here. <laughs> just so I can, like, get my brain at least a little bit when woken up. <laughs> yes, indeed. We've been promoting this episode for a little while. We've been yes, talking we about have. it. Been trying to, you know, drop every now and then that we're going to have him on. Tonight, and yeah, a yes. lot of people have wanted him on. Um, yes, John Baker. <laughs> yeah, John Baker wanted him on. Wanted him on. Yeah, and I uh, said that he's the real deal. So I'm really excited yes. to talk to him. Yes, Gerald. A lot of people speak highly of you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, tonight's guest is Gerald Buston. Yes. And uh, Gerald is currently, you, you are the president of Evangelical Bible Missions, right? That's correct. Yes, sir. So the reason, mm-hmm. I guess the reason I wanted to have you on, Yeah. people started telling me that you had a good story and that you had been really, I guess, fairly high ranking within the CHM mm-hmm. at one point and had decided to leave and uh, would be a good person to talk to about how to, if you leave this thing, to not throw everything away. So. I meant to just, I really, I guess you start at the beginning, if you yeah. would. Uh, give us some of your background there. Okay, I'll, I'm, I'm happy to do so, and uh, glad to be on with you all tonight. Uh, I, my father responded to a call from God to go to uh, Andrus Island, Bahamas in 1940. He didn't know why he was going there, except God told him, I have a work for you there. And when he got to Bahamas and started preaching in a little schoolhouse, People started coming from everywhere and getting saved, and and someone would fall on the floor and just begin to cry out to God until they came through praising God for forgiveness. And uh, after a while, a little 
lady stood up and said, folks, this is the man that God showed me in a vision. I've been praying 40 years for God to send a missionary to Andrus Island. This is the man he sent. Wow. And after that, he came back to the States and got the family and uh, took the family of, of uh, his wife and four children. I wasn't born yet uh, to the Bahamas. And later in 1941, a brother two years older than me was born. I was born in 43. And uh, then he had a vision of Haiti, and he um, saw himself walking along this uh, road in Haiti, and somebody said, there's a land over here that could be bought for a Bible school. And he said he told my mother about it, and she said, you better go check it out. And when he got down there, he recognized the property that he saw in his dream. Wow. And uh, Gee whiz. Sleep property. It was an exciting story how God provided. And so in 1945, he uh, put the family on a boat. And we all headed to Haiti. My first memories are on that ship, on that boat going to Haiti. And I spent my boyhood days there. But in 1948, when I was five years old, my father made a trip to Australia to preach. And while he was there in Australia, he began to hear more and more about the island to the north, the big island to the north, New Guinea. At that time, they called it, they didn't call it Papua New Guinea then. And he... God was leading him to go, and God provided the funds and a young man to go with him from Australia, and they started pioneer to work up in the jungles of New Guinea. He came back from uh, from that trip to Haiti and met with the family and told us all about his trip and how God had opened doors, and he wasn't eaten by the cannibals, and <laughs> and we, had, we were so excited to hear it. My mother was real excited to hear it, and I, uh, my older brothers and sisters tell me I went in another room packed a little box with some clothes and came back out and said, I'm ready to go be a missionary to New Guinea. I was five. Wow. But at that point I wasn't saved yet. I didn't know what that meant to be, what it meant to be saved until I was seven. And I gave my heart to Jesus one night when I was seven years old. And I, it just was a totally transforming experience. The burden of, that I'd carried was lifted and I felt so free and so I haven't feared death since then and uh, I then I went down to the radio station my father started Radio 4 VH in Cape Haitian Haiti and I went down and said give me a microphone I want to tell the world I got saved last night <laughs> later I later I went to uh, uh, they were having an all-day prayer service and broken up into They'd have somebody speak for a few minutes and then prayer and then speak for somebody else speak. And I volunteered to speak for. Uh, so my first sermon was Acts 1631. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved when I was seven years old. Seven years old. <laughs> uh, Ten years later, God um, laid it on my father. He was going back to New Guinea and he said, you want to go with me? And I said, yes, I've been waiting for a while to go. So I went with him when I was 14. And started preaching immediately over there in New Guinea and uh, spent uh, almost five years. I wrote my first book entitled Teenage Missionary. It, at first, it was called Four Years with My Savage Brothers. I <laughs> later yeah. republished it uh, called uh, Teenage Missionary. I wrote that when I was 19 years old. So when your dad, when your dad would go over to New Guinea, so would he just go for these extended periods of time and then come back to Haiti? He was a, he started the missionary group, uh, the mission group, and so it was first called 
Bahamas Bible Mission, then West Indies Bible Mission when he added Haiti, and then when he added New Guinea, it was called East and West Indies Bible Mission. And then later, uh, rather than put the geographical uh, connections on it, he just called it Evangelical Bible Mission. Sure. And would make trips to New Guinea, and, and we would I would be with older brothers and sisters, and later my father remarried, and, and so I had a stepmother. Uh, that was uh, that sometimes she went with him, sometimes she didn't. But when she went with him, I would be with my brothers and sisters, older family. My oldest sister is 94. I wow. just got finished oh, wow. tour with her, uh, a 3,000 mile tour, taking her to different churches that have supported her, her ministry in, in Cameroon, West Africa. Over the last 27 uh, years, she and her husband have served there and planted a church and a school. And uh, and uh, we 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 just got back. I just got back from taking her on a tour. She can't drive anymore, but she was so thrilled to go and share about her the ministry that she had done over there. And these are supporting churches. Well, anyway, that's she was like a mom for a while to me after my sure. mother died. My mother died when I was five, and, and you right just a few months after my father came back from New Guinea, nineteen forty-eight. So my. My anchor was in something real that I experienced with God. It wasn't through a specific organization. Our ministry was interdenominational. My father would go to any church, whatever it was, it would invite him to come. And uh, so I uh, I was raised with that personal relationship with God. And then later, um, I... Uh, our mission was was holiness, and and a lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, conservative holiness churches would support the mission, and uh, sometimes they wanted us to be a little more strict than what we were. My father used movies to show the, uh, his missionary work, and uh, as a little bo- as a teenager, I sh- I ran the movie projector and the slide projector when he put slides up and show and tell about the mission work he was doing. And what year was this? Well, this is from, uh, from I, I came back to the States when I was eight years old. This was 1950, uh, uh, 51. And then I uh, I would travel some with him in, in meetings. And then uh, in 1957, he asked me if I would go to New Guinea with him. Okay. And I, I, toured, I toured from Florida. We went up to uh, different stops along the way up to uh, – Pennsylvania. I was. I just got my restricted driver's license, so I could drive with the with him in the front seat with me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and all over Pennsylvania, different churches. We stopped and and then we headed across to the west coast of San Francisco and got a ship from there to New Guinea. So. I was with him quite a bit and, and well, helped him was, out. If I could jump in there for a minute, the reason I was asking you said about him having you run like a, a projector and stuff for the for the holiness movement in the 50s to accept i bet there was some uh, sideways glances cast at you all <laughs> well there might have been my father would get up and say you know to the pure all things are pure and uh this is the way it is over there and he saw he showed some pretty graphic pictures of the people in new guinea mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they weren't wearing clothes back in those days right yep. but some of the church the churches most of them would allow him to do it Right in the church. Wow, that's and, great. Uh, 
And then, so that's that was a little bit of my background. Then, you know, when I was a little boy in Haiti, we wore short pants, uh, short sleeves, and so on. And then later, uh, as growing up as teenagers, we wore short sleeves. We he wasn't extremely restrictive about having to be long sleeved and all that stuff. But then when I got to, uh, I, I finished the first five years in New Guinea. I came back when I was 19 and started in the Bible college, uh, in um, a college out in Independence, Kansas, and then enrolled in uh, God's Bible school through correspondence. The mission board asked me to go back over there because I'd learned some of the tribal languages and could connect with them. And they were having a situation where they needed a missionary to be able to connect well with them. So I went back as a single missionary in 1964. Okay. And yeah. uh, I was over there doing single missionary work when uh, on our mission compound that we had established. It was a well-established compound. And one day a truck pulled in. If you don't mind, and, if you don't mind me asking, um, what was the name of the mission that you were at? Like the, cause you guys said you were working on a mission there. Did you have a name of the mission? Um, station that you were at? It was called Tumble Mission Station, T-A-M-B-U-L. Okay. I remember Tumble. Um, my parents were missionaries to Papua New Guinea as well. I don't know. If, I told him about it before Jeff you came Rigsby. in. Jeff Did yeah. you? Okay. Uh, that's, well, that's my dad. I, I probably knew you folks then. because, yes. But late, that came later. Yep. This day, a missionary pulled into our mission compound that I didn't know. And uh, he pulled in, he, he was driving this pickup truck, and he had a big uh, plywood box on the back of it that he had built to protect his family. And so and he pulled up, he said, you know, it's a long ways down to to Kagawa from here. And I, I, I just wondered if you could put us up for the night. I said, sure, we'll, we've got a nice place here. You can stay and we can put you, up, you all up for the night. I had my brother and his wife were were living on the same ca- campus. Eventually, five of my father's six children became missionaries in New Guinea. Uh-huh. And uh, my brother, my oldest brother, stayed in Haiti his whole life as, and ministered as a missionary in Haiti. But anyway, uh, I said, well, sure. He said, well, my name's Spencer Johnson. Uh- <laughs> you know that name, don't you? Yes, yeah. that was a big, big-time friend of my dad's. Yeah. yeah. And I did. I didn't know who that was at that time, and he was with the Bible Missionary Church. Uh-huh. His fam- he had heard my father speak on New Guinea before, and his wife wanted to go, but he wasn't ready. Now he's ready to take the whole family of seven children and uh, go over there to serve. So anyway, we welcomed him. Well, he said, let me let my family out of the back. So we opened the door, and, and five American girls came out of the back of that <laughs> truck. <laughs> And those among those five American girls and two boys, uh, small boys, and they came out of the back truck. We hosted them that night. I helped to serve the meal that uh, my sister-in-law had cooked and and got acquainted with them. And and uh, I took a liking to the second oldest daughter, but uh, <laughs> didn't say much right then. And then just a few months later, they came back through our mission station. He said, well, it's not working out for me. I can't preach to these people. They can't translate properly for me. And so we're going back to the States. Yes. Um, and- so I, I believe he told my dad that he, <laughs> he said that God told him, what in the world are you doing here? <laughs> and he was like, I thought I was supposed to be here. He was very shocked that they saw that they didn't have clothes on and like all this, like it was a real culture shock for him. He was telling my dad. 
whenever he was he over was, there? He was uh, uh, he, he was very much a a, a rapid fire preacher. Uh huh. And natives couldn't keep up with him. The the people he didn't have real good English speakers, and uh, he didn't know the pidgin language. I had learned the tribal language as well. So when he said he was going to leave because he couldn't communicate with them, he uh, I, I said, "Well, look, I'll set up some meetings for you, and I'll translate for you." Mm hmm. Well, he was suspicious of what my intentions were or something because he looked kind of straight. Oh, we're, we've got our tickets. We're leaving. Oh, so the next day, no. And I got the I got their um, uh, the address. And for the for a while, I, I corresponded with the three oldest daughters. Uh, that would be Donna and uh, Rowena and uh, Naoma. Uh -huh. And I was like a pen pal with them until uh they kind of split up and some of them were going to Bible college to, to BMI. And uh, so I started sticking with Rowanna and uh, eventually uh, felt like God was leading me to, uh, to marry her. But I, she had a, a boy, uh, another fellow there that liked her at, at BMI. And mm. she had both of our pictures on her desk. And she told me that. <laughs> so, uh, I thought I better get busy. I can't wait till I see her whenever that's going to be. I, so I I got a little tape recorder and got Jim Reeves to help me with a love song or two and tried to make some good uh, background music, uh, uh, romantic music. And then I proposed to her over that. Ooh, oh, yeah. man. I like it. I like your style. <laughs> she didn't think that was very romantic. She didn't accept or write back, say, yeah, I accept. But she did call and uh, or send me a letter and said, would you like to come to, uh, I'd like for you to come and be my guest at the 1967 missionary camp meeting in Oklahoma City. And uh, this is the Bible Missionary Church. So she had turned and, you down from the proposal, but, but then wanted you to uh, but still express it, some interest. Oh, well, it was, this was a fleece. I didn't, she didn't say it was a fleece. If uh. I came, then I would be the one of the two of us. If oh. I didn't come with, but I wrote her back and I said, I'm sorry, I can't come because I'm, uh, I'm here for five year term. Yeah. And, I, and I, I can't come right now until later I was driving back from Mount Hagen back to Tambo when God spoke to me very clearly and said, I want you to go back to the States. And I said, well, Lord, I don't have the money. Would you please give me a round trip ticket without me asking anybody for it? If you, I felt so strongly I was going to go that I went into Mount Hagen and I asked the, the airlines company, can you schedule me a flight that will get me to Oklahoma City on the 17th of August, 1967? And uh, the, uh, they said, sure, we can get you scheduled. And they made reservations. Then they said, uh, uh, you want to buy your ticket now? I didn't have any money for a ticket. I said, no, I'll have to wait on that. But I had I scheduled my flight. And then as I got closer to the time to leave, I still didn't have any money, but I felt sure God had told me I was going to come and the money would come. So I, uh, I told the people at Tambul that I'm going to be leaving to go back to America for a while. And so I want to have a farewell service the night before my departure. Mm -hmm. And we scheduled that and we had built a large tabernacle at Tambul that uh, would seat about 1,500 people. And the pretty well packed out that night as I told him goodbye, and I'm leaving tomorrow morning without any money for a ticket. 
God supplied that money in such a, a clear-cut way that I had no question, but God was in it. And then Rowanna found out that my uh, the fleece was turning out in my favor. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> At uh, the uh, Oklahoma City Airport in uh, on uh, August, I believe, seventeenth, twenty uh, nineteen seven uh, nineteen sixty seven, and they were having camp meetings. She introduced me to people and and so on. And uh, I I think at one stage, Albert Dodd asked me to come up to the front. He heard that I was a missionary, and I came up and in front of the crowd and he said well where's your mission work is it anywhere close to our mission work over there and uh that was the extent of my opportunity to talk about missions but (laughs) anyway uh after that she went back to bmi and i started whenever i'd be doing well let me tell you way god answered prayer when i i wrote to missions director just before i was ready to leave new guinea and i said uh God has called me to come back to America, and I i don't have the money. So if God provides the money, I'll know it's him. And if he doesn't, then I, I made a mistake. So I, I waited until it was too late for him to write back and say, no, you can't come, or, or yes, I'll send you the money for your ticket. Uh-huh. So I got back to the States, and after uh, I, I made the trip from Oklahoma down to Summerfield, Florida, where our headquarters is, um, the director met me and he said, well, Gerald, our board was, we were having a board meeting and they said, we ought to bring you back over here to do deputation work and represent missions. And I told him you were having such a good time over there that you wouldn't want to come. <laughs> but he said, I've got a car here for you to use to get out and hold meetings and, and represent the mission work and travel all over. So every chance I got, I'd go by Rock Island, meet Rowanna Eventually, she accepted. Her dad accepted my my proposal for matrimony for his daughter, and and then he married us on August. I mean, on uh, January seventeenth, nineteen sixty nine. Oh, okay. yeah. And within within six weeks, we were back over in New Guinea. Oh my! Well, how did she feel about that? Like going back over after her experience? Because oh, she thrilled, and because God had t- that first trip when she was seventeen, uh, sixteen. Uh, she didn't want to go. She and her sister was they were saying ready to go, ready to stay, and they sing ready to stay, stay, stay. They didn't want to no. go over there. <laughs> then she 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 got involved in the nursing over there. She got to work in the clinic and and she really came to uh she then she really gave her heart to the Lord and got settled that she was gonna serve God and so she was excited about going back over there. Mm-hmm. But she to, uh, she got her LPN uh, b- degree before we got married, and then we were, went over, and she was able to work in a clinic and help out, and and uh, we pioneered her work. Both of our children were born over there. We pioneered on a very remote station north of Mindy, and um, then later went back in 1980 and uh, Plan started doing city evangelism. We started planting churches in Port in in Lay and Moresby and Goroka, and and then that opened the door for outreach into many other cities and and coastal areas of the country. Sure. So that's a little bit of my background. Now we I did run into the fact well, Spencer Johnson before uh, he agreed for me to marry his daughter, he wanted to talk to me. He wanted to know what I where I stood on the standards and that kind of stuff. And uh, 
evidently he, he probably wasn't too satisfied, but evidently he was pacified enough to let me marry her. And then I began to learn more and more about the uh, the some of the, the the rigid positions that they they were taking in the Bible missionary. And there were a lot of good people there, but eventually, then we came back to the states, and I uh, I joined the Bible Missionary Church. They accepted my my uh, uh, preacher's credentials from I was ordained in the Evangelical Bible Mission, and uh, Albert Dodd said, "Well, let's accept his uh, credentials from IBM." It was supposed to be EBM, but <laughs> IBM. <laughs> And they accepted my credentials, and so I became an evangelist, and I preached for a number of the uh, BMC camp meetings. Wow! So on, and uh, we tried. To, I tried to measure up, and and so on. Well, in 1984, the mission board uh, called me and said, uh, "We need you to come back and become the leader of the mission. Your father started it. You've had twenty uh, some years experience." in uh, missionary work, and, and we're needing somebody to become, the, they call it the general director. Later, the name was changed to president. Mm-hmm. So we came back to the States. One of the first things I said I did said was, now, if I'm going to represent the mission, my father used to use a 16-millimeter uh, reel-to-reel movie, but uh, now we've got video, and I could use the video to... Uh, to go out and take pictures of the fields and then show them and people so people could see what God's doing. And one of the board members actually was a member of the Bible Missionary Church. And he said, oh, no, you can't use video. That's been outlawed. And I, so I said, well, okay, I'll do it on my own then if the mission isn't going to buy the video camera for me. And so I went over and took pictures of the crusade in 1985. Our family went over and I preached for uh, an outdoor crusade with about 20,000 people and many people coming to Christ and so forth. And when I came back and I showed it to the board members, uh, they were, one of them said, don't tell me you can't hear, feel the spirit through video. But uh-huh. that, that didn't pacify the legalist. No. And then one day, the the board member that was uh, very conservative when it was time for me to be reelected to serve as the leader of the mission, just before they voted, were going to vote on me. He said, "Before you vote, I want to make a motion." And our chairman was at that time was Vio Agan. He was uh, uh, the Alabama Bible Methodist Church, mm-hmm. and he uh, he said, "Well, let's pray about it, and tomorrow morning we'll have the vote." So that night, I sat down and I wrote my. Uh, resignation letter, and I also wrote a policy statement about the use of video and television and, and, and modern technology if we use it for the glory of God alone. Right. Not for evil purposes, but for the glory of God alone. Well, the next day, before the vote on me, this person said, okay, I make a motion that nobody can be a member of this board if they watch television or if they use video or if they whatever, the modern technology was Genius. all out. Wow. And, uh, I sat there for a little bit, and and uh, one of the missionary, one of the, the board members said, what does that mean, not watch television? And 
And he said, you mean if we're in Walmart or whatever, and said we couldn't watch the news? And the chairman spoke. I said, well, yeah. He said, this was, this was during the first uh, war over there with uh, Iraq. And he said, I was visiting somebody in their home. The TV was on. I wanted to watch those planes take off. He said, you don't mean that, do you? And uh, this brother started backing up a little bit. I said, yes, that's exactly what he means. Uh-huh. The Bible so do not allow people to look in the direction of a movie if they're in Walmart, if their TV is on. They are not allowed to watch it. And uh, said, so, well, we, we probably need to make a little bit of an adjustment to this, this motion. And so I submitted my policy statement. Uh, if that would have gone through, I was going to resign. I wasn't going to go, go keep on playing with that legalistic spirit. But sure, right. It, they, he, uh, the chairman said, "Well, uh, you know, the, this 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 amendment is is too big uh, to just add it to this motion. So let's we got to vote with this on this motion. Then we'll come back to consider the amendment as another motion." So they voted down that motion that he made. The other guy made that I couldn't be on the board, and then I submitted mine, and and it it, uh, it passed. So now we had a policy statement that said we could use. And and then I bought a a big. Uh, it had three lens television projector. It was a big thing, so that I could, wouldn't be using a television set to show videos, and I could put it on the wall or on a screen and so on. But Gerald, if so, I could stop you there for a minute, because I have a question, and I sure. feel like I feel like growing up. I always heard TV preached against as well, mm-hmm. and you probably right. too, Miss. What me and you didn't actually like buy movies even to watch them until after we were mm-hmm. married, right? Yeah, no. So I guess my question is, Gerald, like, why did they feel the need to completely outlaw the technology when when a person could still, like like you said with your emotion there, you, you stated in that, you, know, you can still use something like that to the glory of God. The, the technology itself isn't evil, but why did they feel the need and several still to this day, to just, let's just take this these huge cuts and just outlaw this stuff completely. Well, it's, they're saying, well, there's a, there's a danger that you would use it for something bad. You could get pornography on, you could do all this stuff. And that's why when I wrote the policy statement, I said, we, we allow for the use of it if it's for the glory of God. And uh, so that was what we put. Now, as a boy, we would... When I was my father, we were people's homes that had television, and I'd I'd watch television with him. And he sometimes one time I remember he said, "Son, have you had your devotions yet?" I said, "Well, not yet." He said, "Well, then go have your devotions before you watch more." But he didn't tell me I couldn't watch it. He was not that rigid, but uh, BMC was very rigid about it. And then also about the video, they outlawed the video, and the, and some of them outlawed internet and and uh, uh, so on. But anyway, I still was battling with that spirit of legalism. And they were continuously, um, it was a continuous pull to say, no, you can't do that. You can't do that because our supporters and our people that support us, that supporting churches won't give any money if they see that we're compromising on that or that or the other thing. And Mm. so I battled that until 19... 1998, I told the board, I'm going to resign from the leadership of this mission 
So start looking for somebody. I'll give you a year to 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 find somebody to replace me. So in the 1999 board meeting, you can vote some. Uh, uh, my resignation will be official, and then you can get somebody else to take uh, my place. But uh, I I got a book by Dr. Bill Bright. It was entitled "The Coming Revival," and it told about Dr. Bill Bright, whom I had heard speak. Uh, he told about he had done a 40-day fast and felt that uh, God revealed to him during that fast that there was going to be a, a, a great revival that was coming. And I read that book, and I felt, well, I'm making a pretty drastic move here. I need to uh, make sure that I, I, I'm walking in the light, that I have the light I need or the guidance I need. So I started a 40-day fast. On the 25th day of January, 1999, I waited until the 25th because my wife's birthday is on the 24th, and I didn't—I wanted to have her cake with her celebrate. Yeah, you're gonna have a birthday cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I started a liquids-only diet for, for for it ended up being 42 days. Oh man! But wow. I was on on the 21st day of the fast. I woke up and I was just under a real burden. I need to hear from God. I I just need. I need to hear something. I hadn't heard anything from God during the 21 days. And I got up that morning and was, uh, my wife woke up, got up a little bit later and she said, uh, well, we got to get ready for church. I said, I'm not going to church today. I don't want to go to church. They said, yeah, we got to go to church. We can't not go. What do people say? And I wasn't pastoring then. I had resigned pastor in the local church here because I wasn't quite legalistic enough for some of them. And so uh, I went upstairs to my office and got on my knees beside the chair and I was praying, Lord, I need you. I need to have something from you today. And 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 I, I don't want to go to church. Uh, could you have the the hospital call Rowanna in to come and deliver some babies or something because she was she needed to have forty deliver uh, forty births that she delivered to get her uh, her certified nurse midwife degree. Uh, yeah. Okay, and so she came upstairs and said, uh, "We got to get dressed to go." And about that time, under my breath, I said, "Lord, if you can't answer this little prayer, what are you going to do with the big ones?" Mm. And that the phone rang. And I picked up the phone. They want to talk to Rowanna. And uh, uh, she said, I got to go. There's a little woman in labor down at at, uh, the hospital, and I've got to go. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Gone 12 hours, delivered two babies during that time. And I had that whole day just seeking God and also Mm. make commitment to God that I would no longer be controlled by people's opinions, that the Bible would be my absolute authority. I will said I would go by whatever Jesus or the Holy Spirit directed me personally. I would go by, but I wasn't going to allow myself to be controlled by, by the uh, opinions of other people that were not biblical that they had added on to the Scripture. Yes, I right. love that. What yes. a wonderful way to say that. Yes, I made that vow to God during that time, and then I got the the idea to to call down to. Uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. It was founded by Dr. Bill Bright and asked him if he would come and speak for our camp meeting. And uh, that was in March. And the lady answered the phone and said, oh, he books, usually books two years in advance, but write him a letter and tell him what you'd like to do. So I, I, uh, I 
mentioned that to my wife. She said, well, he doesn't know us. And I, I don't see why he would want to come. But anyway, next thing is I get a call from Bill Bright saying, I, I, your letter touched me. I, you're a man with a heart for God. And, and uh, yeah, I'll come. So he came up to our camp and spoke. And uh, when it came time for the board meeting, they asked me, well, will you, will you reconsider? I said, yes, I will on one grounds that we're going to lead this mission on the basis of God's word only as our final authority, not some, not some church manual or what people say, or but they add on to it and uh, to the scriptures. And they voted unanimous for me to continue on. We got on our knees and prayed and, and made that commitment to God. We're going to lead this mission on the basis of God's word only, not the, not some add-on uh, standards that other people want to put on on people. Well, actually, I have, I have another question now. Since you since you mentioned that, and I guess I guess this might be kind of related to my last one. But so, what you're saying to me, looking back now, since I've I'm out of that myself, it looks mm-hmm. very. I don't want to say it looks like very much like common sense. Yeah, but when I was back then, when I was stuck in the legalistic side of the movement, somehow that all seemed right to me. What we were doing. Right. So, Gerald, like, my question for you now is, how did it get like this? Like to the point where you were making a <laughs> your suggestion, what should sound like common sense to us, was actually a big deal. To where, hey, we're just going to follow the Bible. How did it get so far away? From just that. Well, I think it was good intentions on the part of people that were watching worldliness creep into the churches, and they were worried that we're going to just give up our uh, everything that's that's uh, uh, modest and right, and we're going to just go the way of the world. And that's one of the reasons. When later, when I wrote the book, "Not All Devils Have Horns," I wrote it to try explain that. There is an evil devil that one that traditionally would ha- we would say has the horns. He's going to call us to do everything evil. That he's going to try to get us to commit adultery, to steal, to lie, to cheat, to blaspheme, to do whatever evil stuff. And uh, that's that's that devil. That's the devil that approached Adam and Eve in the I mean Eve in the garden and said, "Has God said? Well, God doesn't really mean it. You're not going to die. You can." eat that fruit and you'll find out it's good. God doesn't want you to be like him. He, he, if if you, your eyes will be open, you'll be like God if you eat that fruit. And so she followed. I believe, and it doesn't clearly say this in the Bible, but after they ate the fruit and they found out that they were, um, that they were naked, uh, I think that devil, the other side of the devil said, hey, God's coming. You better get some leaf, fig leaves and cover up your nakedness because otherwise you're going to be ashamed. And the first uh, the first chapter of that book is there is a devil under that burqa because the burqa is used to cover up everything from top to head to the, to the soles of the feet. Yeah. And, mm. and uh, the devil was trying to say, you can cover up your sin by covering up your skin. Oh, okay. Oh, very interesting. Very interesting thought. God sees fig, fig leaves, uh, then he's going to be okay with that because you're covering up yourself. You're covering up, so he won't know you did this or whatever. I never well, thought about that that way, Miss. Mm. Wow. A lot of it has become well. If you put on, if you wear long sleeves and long skirts and and everything that uh, is modest, then you're holy. 
Without that, you're not holy because uh, you, you've got to cover up skin to be holy. And that is carried through into this, what I call demonic legalism, that the devil keeps telling people. And it's a form of self-salvation. Yes, if is. you do all things, you can save yourself and be holy because you're doing all this stuff that we've demanded of you. But, yep. and that we've, we've claimed as, as part of being a, a holiness person. But if you, um, if you don't do these things and you're not covering up all the skin and, and you, we see some skin, then that's equivalent to seeing some sin. Well, in, in that book, I say you can cover up skin with fig leaves to some extent, but you can't cover up sin right. with clothes. Sin is still inside of you if you haven't if it hadn't been removed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it took the blood of a lamb or an animal that God killed to take skins from them, to clothe them. And that was a symbol pointing forward to the death of Jesus and the blood of the Lamb of God that would be shed. And he would be our covering. Yes. The Bible says, be clothed with or put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That word is in duo, which means be clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we are... We are not made holy by what we put up, up on to cover skin. We're made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness. Absolutely. And he became for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yep. And so when we try to do it a different way, we are negating what God, Jesus did and saying, well, we can do this ourselves by putting on all these these things that they require of us and doing all these things that the manual insists. Uh -huh. uh, we're we're and that doesn't make sense. I mean, it doesn't really make sense. And no, it doesn't. It goes along with the what can we do to almost earn our salvation. It becomes mm -hmm. with like our works or what save us. I've noticed that they're kind of like if I do this, 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 and this, that goes along with being saved. And that's not even part of it. We have nothing to do with our salvation other than accepting it because um, Jesus has done all the work. He's like, like you said, he's the sacrifice that because we, we put on like we're covered with the blood of Jesus. And that's where you said the clothes come from. I, I like that part. Well, that you're, you're absolutely right. And Paul wrote to the church in Galatia and he was, was dealing with them because they were trying to be made righteous by the stuff they were doing. And he said, if, if you are trying to be righteous by your works, Christ is made of no effect to you. What Jesus did, doesn't, you're not counting on that. You're counting on your own righteousness. Yes. And uh, he he rebuked that. I believe the whole book of Galatians was basically written to try to get them out of demonic legalism. And uh, so uh, that, that was my purpose of writing that book. And then later I, I wrote another book that I called For Me to Live as Christ. And in that book, I document my journey, uh, some of what I just told you about my, my coming out of uh, the legalistic uh, background, which has cost us dearly. But one of the things was, what is the definition of holiness? And uh, holiness is not what you put on the outside. Holiness is Christ-likeness. Yes. But is any more holy than Jesus? So if we're going to be holy, then we should seek to be holy like Jesus and let his holiness produce a life of holy living in us. And so Christ likeness to me is the essence of holiness, 
not wearing some kind of garb that, that they used to wear back in the 20s. <laughs> and, <laughs> I like that. Uh, it's it's so refreshing to hear, just to hear people come out and say it. Yeah. Well, the, the uh, those two books are they're available on a- Amazon, and they they can be instantly gone on Kindle, and uh, but they they print to demand. So if a person orders it for paperback, I think it's like five dollars and ninety five cents or something. It's not a expensive books, but uh, it was I was trying to write that to encourage people don't. Don't reject the demonic legalism <clears throat> and go fall in the ditch on the other side. Right. You, yes. you need to make a commitment to your loyalty and allegiance to Jesus Christ, that whatever he says and however he guides you and directs you, what would Jesus do becomes your guide to holiness. Yes. And that should be should help us stay with him, not go after the devil with horns or go after the devil without horns which is the one that the Bible says that uh, Paul, Paul was writing, and he, he said that uh, it's, it's no surprise that, that some so-called ministers of God, uh, that they are uh, have, they're, they're acting like they are members, servants of God, but they're really agents of the devil, because he says Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's very good. Yes. That's very good. 11 verse 14. I, 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 I build that. That's sort of the scripture that I build the book on is not all devils have horns. There's a one that tries to act like he's an angel of light and come to you. Say, if you'll do this and this and this and this, you don't need Jesus. You, you'll make it to heaven because you're doing all these stuff. And Paul says, not as salvation by grace through faith. Right. My husband has uh, mentioned a, a Bible verse, and I never thought about it this way until I was talking to my mom on a trip to New Jersey. We were really talking about um, legalism and uh, why is the church so focused on the outward when it's you know a work of the heart. Um, so, when, but whenever my husband mentioned the Bible verse and it said, "We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places," my husband had a very interesting thought. He said. It's just that, a theory. I don't know yeah, if I'm right or not. I know, but it was just an interesting thought. Um, with the spiritual wickedness in high places, it's talking about those who are in power. Um, like when you are again, my theory. I don't. Yeah, know. I was just wondering. I know. But it, it was an interesting thought, and that's that's why I mentioned it to mom. Um, those that are in power with that legalistic spirit. That's spiritual wickedness. That has nothing to do with the glorifying of God. That has nothing to do with um, your salvation. It's all about just that um, that legalistic spirit. I don't know how else to say it. Yes, we are pleasing to trying to be please man instead of pleasing God. Um, So I found that interesting. That that's an interesting take on spiritual wickedness in high places. Those that are not trying to please God, those that are trying to please man um, and the outward appearance instead of the heart. Well, I do think that I I was probably wrong there because I think when it really? means high, I think it means altitude. Okay. So I, I don't know for a fact, and I think uh, Gerald could probably correct me. Yeah. But I do want, because there, I think there is some spiritual wickedness in like actual high places in the church. Yes. You know, that, that really forces this stuff on people. Well, let me, let me add, my two cents worth about that because I, I uh, that could have some relevance. But one of my uh, on not not all devils have horns book. It says that that devil wants to control you. That demon without 
was and and that is there's a controlling spirit that comes from the demonic legalism that that they tried to control Jesus and they couldn't control him because he wouldn't uh, uh, bow to them. But the 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 Pharisees and the Sadducees and and all those people that had added at least six hundred more laws that were not Moses's laws. They uh, they were wanting to control him, and when he they couldn't control him, they had to crucify him. Well, several of them have been crucified, not actually, but essentially, because... As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba. We wouldn't allow them to control us and say, "No, you have to conform to what we're telling you to get to heaven." That's not biblical. That's a that's a demonic spirit that wants to control us. So that may be your your spirit, your demonic spirit in high places that is trying to control us so that we're not controlled by Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but we're controlled by the church leaders and and the hierarchies and the authorities that that uh, tell us what we ha- how we have to act and so on. And uh, it and it's not biblical, right? So. I believe the Bible is our absolute authority. You go back to the Reformation and, and Sola Scriptura was one of the solas that they went by. And uh, I believe that that's correct. The Bible is our only final authority. Yeah. I agree. And just a little bit of uh, of how God dealt with me about something else, because I'd heard people in the Bible Missionary Church preaching against facial hair on men. <laughs> it was to be pride and trying to be a hippie and trying to be worldly and so on. And, and uh, they just wouldn't, even though some mighty men of God had facial hair. So I, I was in New Guinea preaching for a crusade after in, in 19, uh, well, in, in, in the year, uh, yeah, 1999. Later, I was over there. And uh, while I was there preaching, God dealt with me. And here's sort of the, the, the way it went. It was like God was saying to me, where in the Bible does it say men should not have facial hair? <laughs> I said, well, it doesn't say it. I have, I've read the whole Bible from cover to cover. It doesn't say that. Well, then why, are, why is it wrong for a man to have facial hair? Well, it's not wrong. Well, then he said, are you willing to face the consequences of, 
of going against that by, and I made a vow then with the Lord that I would not remove my facial hair until the revival came that we're praying for. I came back from there and I went to Union Bible College where I was already scheduled to speak for a missionary convention. (laughs) And I'm sitting up on the platform uh, with a beard and people coming in and they're kind of craning their necks looking like, is that really (laughs) Gerald Dustin up there? Oh my. (laughs) Even if he was acting as president for a little while there, came up to me and said, are you feeling okay? It's like, have you lost your mind? Oh my. Feeling great. And then somebody came up and said, are you getting a lot of persecution over that beard? I said, well, so far, not too much. But uh, then one guy said, I think, he said, maybe hair on a man's face is a result of the fall. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. And so, anyway, I still have facial hair. I, I don't, uh, I'm, it's not down to my uh way down my chest but I and I trim it but I still have it and it's a to me it's a Nazarite vow until that revival that we prayed for that I believe is coming uh, and we see a great harvest yeah what I encourage people that are rejecting the the demon of legalism don't embrace the other devil don't just throw over your faith and say God uh uh, that that these people are all false, so God must not be real. The Bible's not real. Well, they're not going by the Bible. They're going by add-ons to the Bible, which God forbids in the Bible. Uh, don't add anything else to the laws that I've given you, God told uh, through Moses. And then Revelation says there'll be a, a curse placed on those people that try to add to that book. So we, we're not going against God. That th- those people are not really speaking for God; they're speaking for the add-ons. Yes, and so people should not reject God because they're rejecting the add-ons. And uh, the, I hate to say it, but whenever the Holiness Church, whenever you do start to question these things, they make it seem like you're questioning God, and that's not even no. at the same thing. Cause like you said, these are add-ons. You're not questioning the Bible. You're questioning the add-on and they take it as if you are having that rebellious spirit and you're um, wanting to hurt the church by questioning the man of God, um, which is another whole story altogether because like they're acting like you're touching God's anointed and that's not even it at all. You're just asking the questions. Well, l- let me, uh, I'm interested because you were a missionary in New Guinea. Yes, sir. I think you said pigeon or no God. You must have a lick Yeah, me have a lick I am now. What talk <laughs> about me? Anyone talk? Yes. Well, now, I, I don't. I didn't get your name though. Melissa. Melissa uh, Sparks now. But my parents uh, were Jeff and Donna Rigsby. We were in Wallawanda and Lombo and Poggle Gay. We would go to Mount Hagen to get our supplies. Um, and what then, years was that, Miss? Uh, we were there from 97 to 2000, and I believe it was three. And then we went to Africa, and we're there until 2007-ish. So you in Ghana, West Africa? Yes, sir. Accra. Accra. Yes, okay. Sir. Well, I've been there. We started a mission work just outside of Accra, about 45 minutes from Accra. And uh, I just... Like I said, I was just on a tour about the, the mission work in Cameroon that uh, my sister spent the last 27 years doing. She's 94 now, and and she's still very active, trying by by email and by uh, 
text message and stuff to try to keep them encouraged and raise money for the work over there. But, well, that's neat. I, uh, I don't guess I got a chance to meet you, but, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I've heard of you, uh, very highly from the people there in Papua New Guinea. Like every time I would hear something to be like, yeah, well, Gerald Buston and his family did this. And then like, I would hear your name all the time, but, um, I, I never, I didn't know anything really about you other than what my parents had told me. They were like, yeah, he worked here and he did this, that, and another. And I was like, okay, that's, that's amazing. I said, why, why didn't um, I hear anything about this from other BMC people? Like I honestly, it's not like um, I, I just honestly felt like they felt like you had sold out because you were making like, like these statements like you are right now. Um, because you were against that legalistic spirit that the BMC was very leading towards. Well, there came a point in time where I felt like I needed to resign, and I, I gave my uh, resignation to uh, my father-in-law uh, first, Spencer Johnson. Uh, when I, I and I said, God is leading me in, in a different direction and, and a non-denominational ministry, and I feel like uh, I'm I'm not a fit for here, and and so I I resigned. Uh, tried to do it graciously. I didn't knock them too hard, but. Uh, and it was after that that uh, I still was battling with it, and, and I, I could tell some hair-raising stories of the battles and the the, 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 the evil things that have been done by people in, under the name of holiness. Yes, sir. Uh, to lie, steal, cheat, uh, all kinds of things yes. that I've seen them do to protect their whole their 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 standards of holiness. Yes. And uh, it's we, more, we like an image. And it's like they want to protect their image, too. I've noticed um, as a holiness group, they, they, it's it becomes like a standard of pride almost like they're they're proud to be so, you know, devoted and they're devoted to the wrong thing because it's not Bible at all. Like, it, that's right. yeah. Well, this is this is wonderful to, to get a chance to talk with you, especially. And I, 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 I uh, I have a little connection there with you from being in New Guinea, but uh, I I think you're right. There is a, a feeling of pride. Well, we're holy. They're not holy people. Right. I was sitting over there at outside Mount Hagen uh, restaurant with some guys that that had been indoctrinated into the the conservative standards, and they saw some white people walking by, and and uh, one of the guys sitting there said. Yeah, they're, they're hiding. <laughs> hiding means, you know? means they're like sinners. Ah, like, I, see. <laughs> I said, you savvy all the same money. How do you know? He said, look him, look him close, blow. <laughs> uh-huh. So here's indoctrinated into believing that you judge them by what they're wearing. Yes. And so he's declaring them all to be heathen sinners. <laughs> Because they weren't dressed appropriately for the conservative holiness movement. And uh, that's been a challenge uh, to try to get some of those people to get their eyes open to see that is not what holiness is about. It's, no. it, I, I do believe in modesty and dress. Me mm-hmm. too. And I, uh, I, I believe that, that we need to represent Christ in in everything we say and do, and uh, not just in in modesty, but 
I don't believe that we can define that in a certain way that goes back to the 20s, 1920s and say, well, because that's the way they were. They were holy and we're not anymore because we don't quite match up to them. I liked a comment that you said about what your father was saying. He said, if your heart is in the right place, you know, it really it doesn't matter like well, really how you're going to look on the outside because your heart is going to be pure. Like you don't have a bad intention on it. You're going to be dressing how, because for some people, short sleeves, that is completely fine for them. And for someone else, they'll be like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't do that because of this. And that's where it, the personal conviction comes in. Like they cannot do something because it leads to a personal, you know, a fall where maybe like Paul says, the sin that easily besets us. You know, if we're going to be doing something, um, we need to do it to the glory of God. And and if it's we cannot do that, that that's whenever we have those personal convictions that come in. Um, we're not all going to be the same. We're not all going to be saying and doing the same things, dressing the same. We are all individual people. That's right. You're absolutely right. And I, I just, it, it hurts me so much to see people that have rejected the, what I call demonic legalism, a devil without horns, but then they go, well, might as well throw it all overboard and just go embrace the devil with horns. Yes. Yeah. Just go out in the old way and say, well, God doesn't care. It's all a bunch, uh, all a farce because some people have misconstrued the gospel. And that, that is, that's a sad thing, but it's a reality with a lot of people. And, uh, that's why one of the reasons I wrote the book was to try to uh, to, to uh, tell people you could get out of that bondage, and and I gave twelve steps to getting out of the bondage without losing their way on the other side. Uh, but it's it's sad to see so many people that when they get out of the bondage, they just keep on going the other direction. Yes, that, yes, that always bothers me yes. to see that. And they want to judge too. And and I mean, I understand where that why they would want to do this. Whenever they say that they're a Christian, the person that is, you know, a new believer or watching from the outside, they'll be like, Well, I don't want any of that because that's how Jesus is. I don't want any of that. And they lump everything into one little ball of coal or whatever. And they, they say that I don't want any of that Jesus, because that Jesus is terrible. But Jesus is right. not like that at all. Yeah, like, that wasn't actually that Jesus. That is not yes. Jesus. Like, just he was from the sinners, and he was uh, he was caught talked to a woman by a well. What a scandalous! By thing. himself. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, yes. <laughs> we're talking with Gerald Buston. He's he's the author of "Not All Devils Have Horns: uh, How to Escape the Bondage of Demonic Legalism Without Losing Your Way in Twelve Simple but Not Easy Steps." He's also the author of "For Me to Live as Christ," and you can get those books on Amazon. You can get them in digital uh, form or paperback as well. Gerald, I so much appreciate you giving us this time this evening. You've There's been times I've sat over here and, and, and clamped my mouth shut because I, I wanted to start cheering. I know. On some of the I, know. I wanted to say more things, too, because I agree with everything you're saying. He's like, yes, this is exactly what we've gone through personally. <laughs> well, this is, I, I realize you've got, there's got to coming into this, but uh, also, it's a blessing to me to get to meet a one talk. Yes, um, you're, you're, uh, we're le- lewa, <laughs> lewa <yeah>. blow me. <laughs> now. So, God bless you all. Keep up the good work, and maybe I'll be able to listen in again sometime.
Yes, sir. Yes, we'd yep. love to have you back. I'd love to have more conversations about Papua New Guinea. And and uh, can you leave your um, information so if someone wants to contact you or anything? That's what I we've got. Uh, oh, I did want to ask him about his. Uh, do you have any kind of a work in Papua New Guinea or anything? That that was another question yeah, like I wanted to ask. Any kind of him. website or anything for your uh, for the uh, missions group? Yes, they can support you or anything. Our mission uh, is ebminternational.com. 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 Okay. All okay. right. We'll look it up. Yeah, and my my uh, web my my email is gtb. That's my initials. Gt Buston. Gtb. Uh, I I. I'm gtb the second. Gtb I I at prodigy p r o d i g y dot net. And I'll be glad to take emails. Uh, you can give them my phone number if you want to. If there's anybody that I could pray with or try to encourage, I'll be glad to do anything I can to encourage them. I'd like to maybe um, get your number for my dad. I know my dad would really like to talk to yeah, one talk. He would enjoy <laughs> one talk by him. He would enjoy it. Yes, he would love that. Joe, I appreciate it because, like I said, we, we do have a lot of people that, that write us and they're struggling right now trying to yes. come out of this, and yes. and you've done it and done it successfully. So uh, we greatly appreciate you giving us the time and, and offering to help out uh, anybody else as well. Thank you very much, sir. Yes, thank you. God bless you all. Keep up the great work. Yes, thank sir. You, you too. Sir. God Talk bless soon. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Can we keep rolling for a little bit? Yeah. So we just hung up with Gerald Buston. We just had a little bit of issue with audio or something like that because I noticed, and I've noticed this a couple of times, I don't know what it is, whenever we would say something, his audio would duck out. Yeah. Right, and so right, I was yeah. trying not to say much because he was know. stepping all over what he was saying. Oh, my Lord. The stuff he said... I, I I wanted I to jump like in. I, I feel like I was at church. I do too. Yeah. I am so thankful for the wow. people that we have talked to lately. Tracy, LaDonna, Gerald Buston. They've got the guts to just say it. Yeah. They don't beat around the bush. They're not like. And they've suffered for it. Though, yes, too. they've suffered for it. But and they just say it. And it comes out like, I feel like it's almost like. They're suffering for the cause of Christ because that's exactly what we're going through right now. We're trying to stand up against the legalistic spirit because yes. that is not freedom in Christ. Not that is fear. So that is a controlling spirit. Just like Tracy was saying, we are living in a time when we're supposed to be loving people and loving Jesus. And we're just really trying. And I say we as a holiness church. Mm-hmm. We're we're also focused on the controlling aspects of things, like the power hungry. When like oh yeah. It's great. They're saying exactly what needs to be said. Yeah. And so I don't feel as bad about saying some of the things I've said. I don't either. Because I I realize that they have other, to take stand a stand. Yeah. There's these good Christian people that are farther up the ladder than I am. Yes. More experienced in life, more experienced in their walk with God. Yes. And they're saying it stronger than I even was. And these guys are they're almost like turning into a little bit of heroes of mine. Because yes. like you said. Did, did you hear what he said? He still has his beard because he is still yep. holding on to that vow for the great revival that is coming. There's been times that I've been hesitant to share something like on my Facebook page mm. that was aimed at the holiness movement. No. Because I knew <laughs> there's a good chance I'm going to get some personal kickback for it. And then I would feel like a bum yeah. for not doing it 
almost hypocritical. Yeah. Like, and you're so like, then a lot of times when I feel that, I'm like, go ahead sure. and post it. It's gonna, there's yes. gonna be some people jump on me. Yes. I believe this stuff, though, Miss. I yes. believe this. Yeah. I, I didn't just make this up. This isn't some rebellious thing. I, I, I believe what Gerald said when he calls that the demonic legalism. I agree 100%. Yes. When you have stuff being preached like it's a sin to have a string tied around your finger. I know. Done. I, I don't know if we're on the same team. Yeah. You're adding stuff to and then trying to pass that off as the gospel. And that's not the right. gospel. I'm sorry. That is not a gospel of love. That is not a gospel of forgiveness. That's a terrible gospel. Yeah. It's not even a gospel at all. So I, I feel strongly about this. stuff, And I can't just change. I can't just change my mind. Overnight. This is, I'm rambling. At this I, have, point, I have so much going through my head right now. I know. I cannot wait to talk to my dad. I want to really want to talk to my dad about this stuff because I know they're going through a lot. The hurt that's been caused by the holiness movement is not, it is meant with, I honestly think their intentions are trying to be good. I really do. But then it comes across as Paul. Paul was murdering people right. for the cause of God. You could have the best intentions in the world. Exactly. And be- so totally wrong. And and Jesus is like, why are you persecuting me? Yeah. And I yeah. think the CHM needs to wake up. I really hope that if anything, they take anything from this podcast, I don't care if you're Allegheny, I don't care if you're, you know, Bible missionary, I don't care if you're um, Pilgrim Holiness, I don't care if you're Pilgrim Nazarene, I don't care what religion or what sect or what denomination you come from. That is not the spirit of Christ. Can we just open our eyes and be like, this is not what God came to do. He went to the sinners. And here we are wanting to isolate ourselves and make ourselves the greater um, people. And that's not even it at all. No. The the holiness movement is so shallow in their Christianity. Yes. And it's the exact opposite of what they claim. But they are so shallow because this this is the main things that they focus on. Now mm-hmm. they might not, I think a lot of times in holiness churches now, they won't preach on every Sunday, but walk in there one day, not dressed to their standards and see how see much how of an emphasis you. they put on it. I, you can get that dingy bell ready. Natalie, at, <laughs> <laughs> she posted about something about wanting to dress up like as a Pentecostal girl one Sunday. And then the next Sunday, go in there dress not like a Pentecostal girl Mm -hmm. and see how you were treated. I mean, straight up, that is a good test right there. Yeah. I I told her I I was one of the ones. Sorry, Natalie. um, I was one of the ones that said, Hey, yes, go in there dressed as both of them and see what the spirit of how you are treated is comes across. Because you, oh, you almost get that pharisaical. Um, oh, I'm glad I'm not like Natalie over there who has short sleeves on right. and she has riding across her chest, like making people want to look at her boobs. Yeah, how dare and, she? Right. Yeah, and she's wearing pants. Like, oh my goodness, does she realize? Like, why does she need to fly? She doesn't need to fly. She's a girl. And and, and you're not joking. This is all this real is stuff. all stuff that we've been told or grown up with. And so they take you as a Christian and they heap all this extra stuff on you. Right. And then when you stumble and fall out and say. I ain't doing this. Then they're like, Mm-mm-mm. guess you just weren't dedicated enough. You yeah, know, you weren't shame. dedicated End enough. times, right. great falling away. The great falling away. <laughs> exactly. Like, no, and, you, this is your guy's fault. This yes. is your fault. Yes. They don't want to talk about their own personal judgmental spirits. 
Because I'm sorry, when you have to sit there and say someone has to cover up their elbows because it looks like a boob, I'm sorry, where is your mind? I know. You're the one that has an awful mind where that person is there just trying to praise God and like, you know, raise your hand and heaven forbid your elbow come popping out because that looks like nipples for sure. I was sitting in an Allegheny church one time and there was a preacher got up there. We were in revival. This was at an Allegheny church in uh, over close to Kaiser, West Virginia. And this guy got up there. This revival had been hyped up for months that he was coming. And he got up there and he began to preach. This is a first night of revival. And one of the first things he said, miss, yes. was, I never apologize for anything I say behind the pulpit, which right. is which is the podium for everybody else that's wondering what a pulpit is. Yes. And then he went on and he's preaching. And this is a an Allegheny church that doesn't look like an Allegheny church. These mm-hmm. are the majority of people in that church are very level-headed, common West Virginia people that don't give a crap about whatever the rule book says. Right. They're just Christians. They, they're there because they love yeah. Jesus. That's exactly why they're there. They didn't got the standards. They ain't got all this extra baloney. They have they're the just love. serving Jesus. They have the love. And so he's up there. And one of the things he said was, I don't think that you can be a Christian and have a TV. All right. Mm. False. False, okay. dude. You're wrong. All right. That's a good opinion. Continue. <laughs> here's the difference. His was opinion. Mine's fact. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, like, sorry, buddy. Yeah, false, <laughs> but, okay. Dude. False. Uh, let me just say this. My mom, there was a lady that was um, very influential in her, in her getting saved. And she said, this lady was a wonderful holiness woman, wonderful holiness woman. And she had a TV and she used it to watch the news. So that right there just disproves that fact. So, or that uh, opinion. That me. I think this this goes back to Gerald Buston mentioned, mentioned it, and I like it. Sola Scriptura. I what is that? Sola Scriptura. I, scripture the, only. The actual yes. Scri- like scripture alone or scripture only. Yes. Whatever, but it's it's only solely scripture. scripture. Yes. Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura. It's Latin, I think. Yeah. But it's, it's scripture alone. So when you hear somebody, which means. We base our entire faith off of what that Bible says. Right. And if that Bible don't say it and somebody else says it, then who's wrong? The person that's saying whatever else. Right. Because the Bible don't say it. So that's why I feel with stuff like that. That's why I'm, and it might sound arrogant. I didn't mean to sound arrogant, but that's why I feel pretty justified in saying he had opinion. Mine was fact. The Bible don't say it's a sin to have a TV or that you can't be a Christian mm-hmm. and have a TV. Right. So therefore, he's wrong. Right. So he made that he, he made that statement, and then there was a lady who played the piano there, a very nice lady. Right. Her and her husband uh, attended church there, and um, part of a very nice family was related yes. to probably half the people in the church. Right. Which I think he soon found out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, she was a normal person. And by saying that, I mean she wasn't Amish. Right. So, obviously, then he had an issue with that. Right. She was the piano player. She cut her hair. Mm-hmm. Normal. Okay. She wore, um, she'd wear, like, slacks, so the pants. Yeah. Like that. Okay. Okay. I had big deal. Right. <laughs> but this guy was up there preaching, and he started uh, talking about how, he's talking about standards or something, or being serious or whatever, however he was trying to spin it. And he said, and this lady over here on the piano, or played the piano, said, I'm thankful for what she's doing. She does a good job. 
mm-hmm. but she wouldn't play the piano at my church. And I remember sitting there. Like internally gasping for air. Oh, yeah. I could feel the tension. Like my hair stood up on end, like, like it. Uh-huh. I was still holding this at this time too. Right. And but I, I knew I was, that this guy was full crap. Okay. And I, <laughs> right. The, the first thing, what was the first clue when he says he never apologizes for anything? That was what, that was that the was first what, clue. <laughs> that's what set me on that. But, but I knew when he said that because I was already starting to come out of this. Me and you were together at this right. point. Which right. means I was already starting to come. And when he said that, we about were watching the TV, movies. We were watching movies. I, didn't, I still didn't have a TV at that time. No, we had, we had a, what, $79 oh, we DVD player? Yet. We weren't married yeah, yet. So we, we had, no. No, because I remember calling you after this happened and been like, Miss, listen to this. Oh. So okay, I'm I was I was still in the movement, but I was slowly on my way out. Yeah. And I remember realizing even then, like, this guy's crazy. But so I, I remember hearing the this gasp. And it, it might have been a collective gasp. I don't know how right. many people gasped. There were a lot of people that were just like, huh? Like, and it just hits you like, mm. yes, oh, dude, what'd you say? Yeah. And he's up because, there, you know, he's trying to be all serious and. Okay. But with the, with this wonderful lady, wonderful, wonderful lady, I never had her treat me awful or anything Not like that. Not one time. I've always had the spirit of love and like. I never saw her represent anything but Christ. Right. That's the only. Even with her pants on, even with her cut hair, yeah, her makeup, whatever it is. Yep. It, yes. These are not sins. That's exactly right. It all comes like your heart. Like, why are you putting on those pants? Why are you cutting your hair? Why are you doing all these things? Are you trying to do it because it's of pride? I can see where that would go well, into the, some things like that. that's between you and God. But, I, exactly. There's no way I can know exactly. that. There's no way I can know you've got that And based on her fruits that she was giving out, yeah. it was nothing but sweetness. She showed nothing but Christ. Right. Anyways, and this guy completely judged her to the point of saying that she, based on looks, w- based on looks, that she would not be a Christian in good standing in his church because she couldn't participate by playing the piano. It makes you not want to go to that church, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what church it was, but I need to find I, out. So right. I know. That I'm like, just go ahead and Google I, things I, and find out what church town. it is. I don't want to. Be- <laughs> I, I don't even want to go there. In fact, if you do go, no, okay. If we if, if we there, go run. there, seriously, if we go there, I'm showing up in my slacks. <laughs> but anyways, how do you think this lady responded? Uh, it just she how still, she should have. Even with that, she still showed Christ. Yes. She didn't throw a fit. No. None of her family threw a fit. No. Nobody in that church threw a fit. Everybody there, actually there was a lady. She didn't she say, No, no, I'm sorry, I was not there. I'm thinking of a different situation yes, where this different... where this lady, like, love her, love her when she stood up and said something. But anyways, go ahead. The only thing she showed through all this was Jesus. Right. As this preacher was playing the Pharisee right. and had just humiliated her in front of the entire church. Mm-hmm. Now, wow. that's what I'm saying. You think that didn't hurt her feelings? Oh, I'm sure it did. And how many times has this stuff happened? Maybe not that exact scenario, mm-hmm. but somehow they'll throw little jabs at you. I've had them throw it at me. I know mm-hmm. it hurts. Yeah. It's scary. It makes you like second guess everything. It makes and, you like, question yourself. Am right. I doing the right thing here? You got in trouble, miss, for, what it BMI? Oh, Mr. Institute. There are several things I got in trouble in Rock for. <laughs> Rock Island, to be Illinois. As specific as we can here. Bible Missionary Institute. Russell Moyer was the president. Russell Moyer. Okay. <laughs> there you are, John Roger. Baker. Roger Moyer's brother. <laughs> John Baker. Roger Moyer. <laughs> you got in trouble for cherry flavored chapstick. Uh, Nivea cherry cherry. Yep, yeah, cherry chapstick. Oak Ridge Boys gospel music. This is a lot of mine. This yes. is a lot of mine. Flight 93 movie? I had a Flight 93 movie, and there, there were a couple other ones I got in trouble for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Where's that stuff in the Bible? It's not. So somebody's wrong. They're wrong. They are causing damage. Yeah. And I'll flat out say that. Mm-hmm. That's the way. That's not sola scriptura. They've Mm-mm. added two. Right. I have no desire to be affiliated with that. As far as I'm concerned, they're playing games. Right. I don't have time to play those games. It starts pulling that whole, whatever Paul said in the Bible, I know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Right. We're going right back to that because in Jesus, we have life. We're sitting here trying to pick apart everybody because of how they're dressed when we should be out there telling people that we have found the answer, that there is hope. And here we are just trying to rip people apart like we're plucking chickens. Now, some people would say, Phil, miss, you guys are doing the same thing, trying to rip them apart. I feel that this stuff is heinous enough that it deserves this. This becomes a, a judging on the fruits. We're going back to um, this lady, like when she, her response to um, a terrible, terrible comment made by a holiness person. I mm-hmm. put quotations as holiness because he needs to work on that and uh, become a little bit more like Jesus because I, I'm judging. I am totally judging right here, but I am judging because the Bible says you should know them by their fruits. Let me say this, miss. You, you don't put quotations around holiness because he's a perfect holiness guy. For the holiness <laughs> movement? For, for the, the holiness, holiness movement? movement? He's oh, for sure. One. Fits right in. For wonderful. sure. That's how they are. Yeah, that's we're going back to that spirit of legalism. And I'm casting a big net. I understand that. I right. like what Gerald said, what Tracy said. There are good people in the movement. Right. Yes. Yes. My parents. System. My parents who were told to leave by the BMC Church. Yeah. And you leave that in there, Phil. I, I, I'm I'm getting to the point that I do not care what people think. Right. When my parents come to me, brokenhearted, don't even want to talk about the things that have been told to them by holiness people from the board. It becomes, that is not love. That is not love. That is not a spirit of restoration. That is trying to glory and gloat for your own personal means, sitting there and asking what people's uh, temptations were so you can get your rocks off is disgusting. Yes, it is. Asking my parents what their personal sex life is, is disgusting. Asking my parents, um, so is the sex not good enough at home for you? Getting too personal whenever my mom has to sit there and like cry her eyes out while they are drilling my dad with questions. That is not a spirit of love. That is not a spirit of love. No. Where in the Bible does it say you're supposed to ask them all about what they're personally going through and everything? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't say that. It says that if he confesses his sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Jesus is faithful to forgive us. My dad was forgiven. So for you to sit there and say that my dad was never doing right, even in Papua New Guinea, I'm sorry. That right there is a problem. We are going to be tempted. We are going to be tried. And we are going to fall at some point. But there is forgiveness. There is restoration. And it is not, as we have seen in the Bible Missionary Church. I agree. I agree. Anyways, that does. To me, miss, are we serious or are we not? Yeah. Do we want to keep playing these games? Are we going to play the little, you know, can I catch you in something? Right. That's what they're doing. Right. When my and dad, by they, when I my mean dad the goes CHM to pick, in general. When my dad goes to pick up wings at a restaurant, heaven forbid it be a bar or have alcohol or whatever it right. is, they, the story was my dad was at a bar. And I've had some people, man, I feel like we've, Dug a bit of a hole here, but I believe all this strongly. Well, we'll just keep on digging. <laughs> the reason that I like to say things like this, yeah, because 
and you all know who you are who've written us. Yes. And you've told us, you've poured your heart out about the terrible situations y'all is going through. Right. And trust me, all that hits home. And there's been times I've sat there and had tears in my eyes. I have cried what y'all have reading to these us. comments. Yes. And I want to let you know, first of all, I love you dearly. Right. And Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. And all that was bull crap. Right. All that was baloney. That is not Jesus. That wasn't Jesus. Like what Gerald said, you can't judge Christianity off what wasn't, what wasn't Christianity. Right. That wasn't Jesus. That wasn't Christianity. That was added junk. Right. So we love you all dearly, and Jesus loves you. You were just handed a terrible hand. Yeah. You had to experience the conservative holiness movement, and I'm sorry. And I hate to say it, but I'm going to say over half of the time, I'll even go as far to say 75% of the time, that spirit is not of God. No. Yeah. No. That when, because like there are good people in there. Wait, there wait, are said, good people. That spirit, what, what spirit are you talking about? Like, I'm talking about the, the CHM movement. Oh, yeah. How they treat people. That is not of God. They're doing that kind of stuff, miss. When they're, when they're requiring for you, and, and I know this, I know this for, let me just say that. Okay. Let's talk about one of the ones that's supposed to be more level headed. Okay. Okay. Go. Bible Methodist. Mm hmm. I think overall, I can get along with Bible Methodist. Excuse me, Bible Methodist, just fine. Mm-hmm. But I got an issue with that manual, that discipline, whatever it is they want to call it. When you have in there for you to be a member, for you to join in the club, you have right. to. And I think that line you, like you got to get to like tier two or something like that before you uh, got to line up to the rules. I, I don't know exactly, so mm-hmm. don't quote me on that. But some of the rules in there, you can't join any secret societies. <laughs> What are they afraid? You're going to join the pagans? Where does it say that in the Bible? Yeah, that's that's not part of it at all. I mean, just leave us that. Whatever secret society is coming to your mind right now, that's throw that one away. Just the very simple, the general term of a, if you have a club and you've decided we're just going to keep it secret, is that in the Bible that you can't do that? No. No, it's not. But you can't do that and join that church. So what have they done? They've added extra biblical things. Right. And that's just one of them. Isn't that kind of going against themselves, though? Because they're like, you can't join a group here. Oh, my goodness. Well, and here they are. The act, just, yeah. it, it's just the, the fact that there's secrecy to it. So like the Sons of Liberty that basically birthed this whole nation. Could, could be, be a, a part of them. Memphis no. And be them. <laughs> uh, isn't that part of the whole... Um, Am I right on that? Sam Adams and all those guys used to meet in secret and yeah. overthrow the bridge. Yeah, cover. he was the one with the, with yeah. the bar. Well, they a, weren't good enough to be Bible Methodists. Right. <laughs> I guess. Because they I, were I'm going saying, against the British. Heaven help us. Oh, I, 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 I do believe that most Bible Methodist people are, are, are just just fine people. Right. But you got to get that out of your rule book. Yeah. You can't have that in there. Throw that rule book away. Yeah. Throw the, throw the whole thing away. What You're good right. your rule book? Right. And a lot of these, I don't know which ones, but a lot of them, no card playing or ga- or games of chance. Which my dad was like, so you mean you can't have credit cards and debit cards and all that stuff like that? And they're like, oh, no, 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 we're not talking about that here. And Your dad likes to bring up things just to, just to stump people there, too. But you have to. He likes playing with them. You have to, though. <laughs> if you're not questioning these things, that's just how stupid it is. And we're going to talk about this later on with a, um, I want to have LaDonna back on. But I want to talk about the different rules that they have for things. I'm going to say one of them, Bobby Socks. What are bobby socks? I had no idea what bobby socks were. Yep. And I guess they were for dancing or something like that I back still, in the day. I think so. 
Okay. Wow. How many people are still doing the Bobby dance? It's like, I know nothing who does. Is that what they call Bobby dancing or what do they call it? I don't know what it was called. I don't think it was called Bobby dancing. I've okay. Never heard of that. Well, okay. Bobby <laughs> socks were used for dancing. Well, you, you look at that, miss. Even that, that there. Yeah. It's so outdated. Why? why so what, the, the Bobby socks are outlawed because people would go dancing in them. Uh-huh. So what's the sin there? According to them, dancing. Okay. The Bible don't say that. Is it appearance of evil? Is that what they're thinking? Because um, you appearance have on... How's it an appearance of evil? It's socks. It is socks. Wow. It's socks that you can dance in. And they actually cover the your ankles, too. Dancing ain't a sin. Right. You see what I mean? I know. Games of chance. Please tell me where it says in the Bible that you can't play a game of chance. I'll answer for you. It does not. I was going to say, I, I don't know anything that... No. It doesn't. Why, why couldn't you play chance? What was the reasoning? You'll have to ask them. They're the ones who made it up. They had it in the, in the book, you can't play chance? Oh, yeah. Game, gambling. You can't gamble. Game's a chance. They call it that. Okay. Oh, okay. Because there actually is a game called chance. No, no. A game of chance. Like you're taking a chance. Like, okay. Yeah. You know what <laughs> okay. I mean? Like I'm betting money on this or gotcha. uh, a, a game of chance. It could be anything like those uh, vending machines at the mall with the claw. Well, you're putting, wow. in, you're putting in that dollar. It's a waste of money. the just, chance that you're oh, going to win that, right? I had not heard that one. I. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, my dad there's used guy, to use those all the time. Don't give the BMC any ideas. Well, they might as well add it in. They got everything <laughs> else in there. <laughs> there you are, guys. There's a free one. It's probably in there. I guarantee you this. Oh, yeah, well, if you look at it that way. Card playing. They're against that. I know, but that's not that those claw things. Ga- no, it's a, but it's a game of chance. When I was a kid, we weren't allowed to play any game at all with a deck of cards, with a actual. Doesn't matter what kind. Not of like card? Uno cards, stuff like that. Yeah, okay. but an actual traditional deck of cards, the fifty, right. what is it, fifty-two card deck? Yeah, you know, has the Joker and the Queen and all that. Right. We couldn't because that was used to play poker. Mm. Poker sin? No. No, it is not. So it just you see how they do this. The same thing. That you can make anything sin. You can sit there and gamble, like with like even just debit cards. But gambling's not a sin. That's the thing. Oh uh, yeah. Now, is it wise to gamble? It's not a I wise mean, steward. At, like it's not using your money wisely. Somebody could make the argument that it's not wise. But if I can sit down, me and my brother, we've done it many times with a hundred pennies. One dollar. We'll, we'll a lot of times we'll just play with the chips, the poker mm-hmm. chips. We don't play with the, with any money at all. We'll sit down with a bag of change, bet with like pennies, Buy in. and have entertainment for uh, two or three hours. <laughs> I just spent way less than if I went out to eat for entertainment or I went to, you know, the fair, the amusement park, which the holiness people is going to, they're not going to agree with that anyways. Yeah, because, you know, they still have those crazy events that are blowing Marilyn Monroe's skirt up. <laughs> yeah, they think that's still happening. <laughs> that's Kennywood, we better explain. Oh. Kennywood used to have the... Event yes, there yes. that would blow dresses up like right. and it was just like in the 30s. And I was like, "What are you talking about? I have never seen this at an amusement park." So, but, but if I can do that, okay, then I see no. I have no issue with that. Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody's got a problem with gambling, yeah, you probably shouldn't gamble. Shouldn't gamble. Yeah, just like somebody, if you got if a you're problem broke, with alcohol, you probably you shouldn't, shouldn't be gambling. Alcohol. Yeah, if, if you're broke, <laughs> don't be gambling. Right. The Bible says, "Be a wise steward with your money." Right. So, if a millionaire wants to go play the lottery, how much is he going to spend? Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks to him probably needs nothing. 
Just like sitting down with a bag of change to me means it's entertainment. Just I'm like, willing to pay that money for entertainment. Just like for Donald Trump, he can use hundred dollar bills as as toilet paper, and it's fine. I mean, I don't know what he his uses toilet, paper toilet paper probably costs more than what ours does. I would say he probably uses. I guess so. Toilet I, paper. <laughs> how do we get on toilet paper? Oh, the the, the manual is what we're saying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. For oh, well. what? For five ninety nine, you could have the manual. <laughs> And use it as toilet paper. <laughs> it's cheaper than the store bought stuff. <laughs> Can I just say that all, all y'all that we've had on here recently, y'all, you, you guys have inspired me. Yes. To speak up more. Yes. And not be afraid. Yes. Of the backlash because we all have connections still in that movement. We or, and by that I mean we know people in it. Yeah. Um. We know people that are being hurt. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh. So, I guess all that to say this. If you're getting roughed up by it, which if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. Mm-hmm. There's a good chance you are anyways. Get out. It's time to leave. Mm-hmm. It's time to go someplace that teaches scripture. Being a Christian has its trying times. Yes. And that's hard enough without all this extra junk. I also think if you are wanting to stay, don't let it be because you're afraid of what someone else thinks. Right. If you're going to stay, and like we do have some friends who are still inside the holiness movement. Yes, we do. And they are trying to make the difference. They feel called to those ones inside the holiness movement because they see the brokenness inside the holiness movement. Yeah. They feel called of God. That is their ministry. I have more power to you guys, man. I mean, like you have to be called, though. You have to be called to that. <laughs> for it sure. It takes a special kind of person. It does. Because it's going to be. Well, you heard what Gerald faced. Right. Um, For years. Right. Years. Play that music, babe. We have said enough. I like it. <laughs> I like it. We love you. God loves you. I guess Do you we have didn't any start, questions? We? We, we didn't. Nobody should um, wonder how we feel, I guess. Oh, no. No. I do like what you said, though. We do have friends in the movement. Yes. I want to just say that again. Yes, we do. And I love you all, too. Right. Oh, in fact, some of my closest friends. Yes. One in particular. He knows who he is. <laughs> Still busts my rear end over and that's stuff okay. that I don't have answers that to. That is okay. <laughs> because you can do it in a heart of love. He cares about you. You care yes. about him. Yes, we do. There is nothing wrong with sitting and having a discussion about what you think the Bible is saying. There is nothing right. wrong with right. that. And whenever you start telling me that there's a problem with me discussing what the Bible has to say, that right there... We might as well just go right into the tribulation where they're taking away our Bibles. <laughs> well, I, I believe this old boy here is that I'm talking about yeah. is, is a fine Christian. Right. I look up to him. Right. I value his opinion. Sure. I know you do. You ask him personal questions. Absolutely. But what I'll do you say think this, about this? He ain't swallowed all the junk. Right. And, and he'll tell me that at times. Yes. And so and he's trying to he's be very a, level-headed. He's trying to be a good leader to his family because right. his children are going to reap the seeds that he is sowing. Yes. Yes. And I think sometimes we forget that, that, you know, our children are going to have to answer one day because we are putting things in their head. We're, and if we're teaching them you know, legalistic stuff, they're going to turn into yeah. that. Yeah. And, and I think he's, I think he's doing a good job. He, um, and that's what I'm saying. If you're in the movement, you don't have to leave to be a Christian. I'm not right. saying that at all. No, but if you're there and you're struggling, get out, just, just go. 
There, there's churches out there. What was that? What was that website? Ladonna recommended to us? ninemarks.org or something Nine like that. Nine marks of a healthy church. Up. Yes, I was gonna say we need to go look at that when we find go find you eat a church on there. <laughs> find you a church on there and and <laughs> let's get serious about our walk with Christ. Right. Let's throw all that stuff out. Right. And let's focus on what's uh, what's real. Yes. Focus on Jesus. Sorry, it took me forever to hit that button. Play that music. Then. <laughs> How much is this going to make it in the post-edit? I don't plan on taking much of it out. <laughs> I, I, I believe this stuff wholeheartedly. I do the longer too. I'm away from it, the more dangerous I think it is. We're tired of gagging on vomit. Yeah. Yep. But anyways. I love you all. Jesus loves you. Bye, guys. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.